0: Well, these are my actual tools. Uh. <laughs> I wish I were joking. Um. <laughs> now, you know, uh, sincerely, though, we, we do want to take a moment and give thanks to where uh, thanks is due and um, at, at risk of leaving some people out uh, and embarrassing somebody, which I honestly don't mind. Um, I, I want to take a moment, and I want to thank Kevin Ray and his team, Kevin, I think I saw you. You came up. Where are you at Kevin? Just where are you at brother he 's in the back ha he snuck out on me. A trickster Kevin has uh, so here 's what I want to tell you. Uh, Kevin and his team tammy uh, Sherry. Dave, they have done tremendous amounts of work, and it has at time come at a sacrifice. uh, Coming back in the evening and doing like things got painted around here. Matt stole our carpet and he replaced it, and like it's it looks it's it's looking great. There's still some countertops that are coming in coming in this week, I believe, and and uh, Kevin has been there. He is. Uh, And Kevin has been a big part of that and his team. Give him a hand, yeah. (laughs) Kevin, my friend, we appreciate you and your work and thank you for your sacrifice. It, It reminds me of Jesus. With that in mind, let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we thank you and praise you. We ask, oh Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted up. And Father, as we look at Ah, the 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 pressure that we get in daily living, we ask Holy Spirit that you would give us your wisdom. That in a very real way you would speak. To us and through us, and maybe even in spite of us, Lord, that your wisdom would come in in a very real way. That by the power of your presence and by the power of your word, we would be able to discern good from bad and to walk in a way that is separate from the bad. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask for spiritual transformation, not just behavior modification, Lord, and we ask that you would be glorified and honored in the things that we do and say. And Lord, as you continue to build us, as you continue to help us to grow in you, Lord, I ask and I beg for uh, your wisdom, that wisdom of God that is Jesus. And so, Lord, have your work in this place. We invite you in a very special way to move corporately among us and to move individually within us for your glory. We love you, and it's in Jesus Christ precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, "Amen." Man, it's been hot, huh? Yeah, I like the heat. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm from Southern Indiana, and you know, you don't really think of Southern Indiana as like the tropical, you know, island state or anything like that. It's definitely not. But it gets swampy hot in the summer. Uh, and and uh, I, I breathe better in the humidity. I, I feel pretty good in the humidity. I know it's weird, and that's not everybody's experience, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying you should feel the same way as me, but I'm saying it's been hot, and I like the heat. You ever notice, like, when you're driving, and it looks like the pavement is wet, and there's, like, you know, it's wavy in the air? You've seen that? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, That is actually a really good picture of this idea of heat. Uh, In in Hebrew, the word that's used, and if you if you go all the way back to like this pictographs and paleo-Hebrew, this the word heat, it means this: separate waters. Separate waters. Isn't that kind of weird? Like separate waters, how does, what does that have to do with heat? Well, if you think about it, when you look at waters and heat is applied to it, it starts to separate, right? There's that, that uh, gas, the steam that comes up out of the heat of it. But there, there's another way that heat happens in our world, and that's the pressure of everyday living. and Things start to heat up. And I don't know about you, but in those places where, especially if I'm surprised by it, especially if I'm not prepared mentally for it, it's really hard to not respond emotionally in that heat. It's really hard to not have to go back later and apologize for something stupid I said because of a, a, a passioned moment. Do you ever feel that way? You ever in those situations where you're like, oh, man, that just jumped up on me. I can't believe I responded that way. And perhaps a part of that pressure is the heat of the moment that hit you. Well, that that means that we need some of God's wisdom. Again, an interesting thing, uh, Dr. Benner makes this comment about the, the Hebrew word for uh, wisdom, and that, that it comes uh, primitively from heat, and that the idea is that if we would humbly go into that place, if we would go into that place of pressure and heat with our hand open, that, that maybe God has something for us in that, and maybe it's to take something away, and maybe it's to give us something, but if we would go into that place that way, then, then maybe there would be something for us. It's interesting, because the, the thing that makes that word different is cough, the letter cough, and it, it was symboled with a palm of the hand, perhaps meaning open, perhaps with the idea that in the midst of that heat, we can burn up or we can apply wisdom. In the midst of that heat, we, we can melt or we could come in with our hands open and say, God, in this place, you have something. And would you help us to separate the good from the bad? Would you, Lord, give us wisdom to discern what you have for us? And that's the concept, at least the early concept, of wisdom. We're going to jump into this, starting in Proverbs chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I I strongly want to encourage you to go there. Get ready with a highlighter, a pen to underline. If you're a note taker, get ready. We're going to have some fun. As we walk through this, we're going to, first of all, start at the beginning of the chapter. Look through the first three verses. We're going to see how wisdom is dealt. In other words, how should we deal with wisdom? What, what areas are we looking at? And then we're going to move on to see what wisdom has. And then we're going to go from there. We're going to move into kind of the, the next flow of this and, and look at where is wisdom applied, at least to this passage. And then we're going to look at how, how, we, how we grow in this wisdom. And then we're going to make a jump to the New Testament, and we're going to see Jesus in the midst of God's wisdom. I hope you're ready. Let's jump in together. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. This is what it says. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Well, let's Let's pause and let's, let's pull some stuff out of this righteousness, justice, and equity. Let's take a look at this a little closer because if, if wisdom has something for us and it says, yeah, uh, what I have for you is righteousness, justice, and equity, let, let's take a little bit of time and try to understand what that means and perhaps even understand how maybe we can use wisdom in our lives. Righteousness is, is often used judicially In the scriptures, and uh, this particular idea here is to know what is right. So, we want to, when we're talking about wisdom and righteousness, we want to know what is right. What is the right thing? Sometimes there are um, multiple paths, sometimes it's also just good or bad, and sometimes good and bad don't look that different. And so, this wisdom helps us to understand. What is right? What is right? Uh, Because sometimes, at first blush, we're not sure. Hmm, maybe this is right, or maybe this is right. Or maybe there are subtle shades of rightness. (laughs) What is right? That's righteousness. Justice takes us to another step, though. Justice takes us from knowing to doing. It's the, the act of. So how do we apply this righteousness, this rightness. How do we apply it? Well, wisdom is going to tell us it's not enough just to know it, but we also need to apply it. As I said earlier, sometimes in the heat of the moment, it's hard to respond with wisdom in the heat of the moment. Sometimes we look back and go, man, if I would have taken a day and thought through that and prayed through that and got wise counsel." Along with that, I would have made the right decision. But instead, I responded in the heat of the moment, and I melted. Like, I blew it. That happens. So that brings us to this third piece, and that's equity. Now, the the term equity is starting to get popularized in our culture and and is starting to even be politicized in our culture. Uh, That's not where we're going right now. We're just looking at Scripture like, what does Scripture have to say about equity? It it comes from a word that just means level. It's level. Because in the heat of the moment, we need to respond respond with wisdom. In the heat of the moment. Uh, When things aren't the heat of the moment, we still need to respond with wisdom. We need to be on a level playing field when we're addressing wisdom. In other words, we don't respond one way in a situation uh, because we're, we're unbalanced, we're off kilter. We don't do that, we can't do that. We're supposed to respond with wisdom and equity means this level playing field. So with that in mind, let's skip down a few verses to verse 20 and we're going to read through verse 20 and, and try to get an idea of uh, what wisdom has. Where do we apply wisdom? How do we grow in wisdom? Let's look at that. If you have your Bibles, we're starting in verse 20, and we're going to go through 31. This is what it says. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out at the entrance of the city gates, and she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. doesn't seem like there's a lot of grace there. We're going to talk about that in just a few I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way. And have their fill of their own devices. Well, let's let's look at uh, what wisdom has. So wisdom has, first of all, an individual responsibility. In other words, wisdom is not just for a class of people, a group of people, a certain nation. All of us have this responsibility to engage in wisdom. In other words, it's offered to everyone. You can choose to be wise or unwise. It's everyone's choice. It's spelled out in a few of the passages that are marked up there. And also, wisdom has consequences. Now, we're not talking about salvation. Salvation, there there is that grace. God is working with us, He's working in us. But when it comes to application of wisdom, if we choose to not apply it, then there are consequences to that. Even to the believer. Oh, I messed up. Yeah, and now we have to deal with consequences. And sometimes those consequences are pretty severe. And sometimes those consequences don't seem fair. And, and I got to tell you, this is the warning. I, I'll often hear people say, why would God allow this to happen to me? Because you were being dumb. That's why. Like, I'm not trying to be harsh. You were being dumb. You chose to make a decision in the heat of the moment without really discerning what is good from what is bad. And there are consequences. And I hate that there's consequences. I'll walk with you in those consequences. But there are consequences. Regardless of, are you a believer or an unbeliever? And the scripture uh, is really clear that we're going to have to walk in consequences. Continuing on. Where is wisdom applied? Well, it's inferred that it's individual, right? Like, we need to apply wisdom in our lives, but it's identified in several unique places that, I, that I'd like to talk about. The first one found in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. The, the idea is that this happens in community. Like, we should constantly be trying to discern wisdom. How do we reach in humbly... Asking God to give us discernment of what is good from what is bad. Uh, How do we uh, respond humbly in those moments to the heat of the moment? Well, we do it in community. Uh, Sometimes in public discussion. Sometimes uh, in our meetings, it happens in community. It also happens in places of leadership, according to verse 21, or at least it's supposed to, at the head of the noisy streets, she cries out at the entrance of the city gates, she speaks, this, this is a, a place of leadership, this is a place of, pro, of, of um, uh, where, where people who have mm, maybe a good standing in the community, perhaps where the elders are, perhaps where at times where um, goods were exchanged, leadership, uh, these are places of leadership. And in those places, it's expected that we would respond in wisdom to take the time to discern what is good from the bad in this place, what is God's best plan in this place, and to rightly discern it. It's in a place of leadership. So how is it gained Gaining wisdom requires some things, and if you have your Bibles, this, this passage isn't on there, but verse 7 is where this is really fleshed out. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but it begins with the fear of the Lord. It's also played out uh, in verse 29. But here's the thing. I, I, oftentimes, I think in the West, we, we stop short of talking about the fear of the Lord, like we have this concept that that uh, maybe God is looking to you know not let me have fun. Like can he start to have fun? No. <laughs> that's not God. Like that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is this incredible being who with nothing can create something. And from that place of nothing he can just speak and it happens. It's created. Like, that's an amazing God. He's the kind of God who there will be a day we'll stand before him and he can rightly judge the intentions of the heart and know the attitude of the heart and know whether uh, we have received Jesus as our Savior or if we just played church. He knows. And he can rightly do it. Yes, no. There is an amount of fear in that place. Like, God, I want to honor you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, scared and want to please you, but I love you for what you've done, and I want to honor you. When, when I was a kid, one of my chores early on was to take out the trash. Any of you have that chore? Take out the trash? I was nine years old and super busy. Um, yeah, probably more busy than my parents. I don't know why they gave that heavy responsibility to me, but uh, they did. And I, I just remember uh, knowing the boundary, like, okay, if it's coming up out of the trash can, that was mom's, like, you know your job, okay? So I was going to get chewed out by mom up out of the trash can. Mom's not around. Dad's there. And if it's on the floor, then dad would say something, okay? So I knew my boundaries. Uh, And I played those boundaries for years. And then one day, uh, my parents came in. Both of them had worked really hard that day. I could see it in their faces. Uh, I could hear it in their tones. And I remember just going and and taking out the trash before, you know, my boundary. And uh, hearing the appreciation they had for it, but even more, like they felt loved because of it. And I did it because I loved them. That's different than behavior modification, right? Behavior modification is that, that first one. Here's the boundary. I know I'm going to torque somebody off if, if I, if I uh, wait any longer, so I guess I'll do it now. Uh. Or, I love you. I just love you, and I, I want to take care of you. I want to be a blessing to you, and you've worked hard. You're like This is my responsibility. I'm going to take care of it. I love you. That, that comes from a different place than behavior modification, and we see this in scriptures, but it starts with the fear of the Lord. Jesus, you love me so much that you were willing to go to the cross for my sins. You love me so much that you were willing to die for me. You love me so much that you rose from the grave. You love me so much that if I call on your name, you give me your, your seed as a down payment for heaven. Like that's a lot of love that you gave me. It's amazing. And I do fear you. I don't want to walk in sin. I, want, I don't want to walk in stupidity or ignorance or just being dumb because I'm selfish. I want, I want what you want. And that brings us to repentance. In uh, verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. If you turn, that's repentance. Repentance. It's having this idea that I'm right. I'm doing what I know is right. Actually, I'm wrong. This is wrong. And I'm turning and I'm going the other way. I'm convicted that I I was going the wrong way and I want to go the right way. And ultimately, that's with the Lord. Sometimes we use this term confession. That's a good word. Confess. It means to say the same thing. (laughs) We're saying the same thing God already knows. We're confessing it. God, you know that when I came to this intersection of faith or fear, I chose fear over faith. You know that already, and I'm sorry for it, because I know that one sin, if that was the only sin that ever existed in the whole history of the world, you died for that sin, and I'm sorry. That, that's, that's a different place that we're repenting from, right? It's not just I got caught, but it's rather a a conviction of what is right. So with that in mind, let's transition our brain a little bit. Because if we just look at Proverbs 1 the way that we're looking at it, it very well could just be information, behavior modification, done. Like, okay... I want good things, not bad things, so I'll do what it takes to get the good things because I'd rather not have the bad things. But sometimes I do like bad things, so I'm going to choose these bad things sometimes. When I want those bad things, that's just behavior modification. But what we're talking about is spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation is a different motivation like I already identified with a love for. Jesus, I love what you did for me. I'm amazed at what you did for me, God. You were willing to die for me? If all all the sin in the world was just mine, you would have come and died for me? Yes. That's amazing. God, I want to live in that place. And we see this in 1 Corinthians. Before we go there, I, I want to take our minds back to one other place. We just finished a series called The First Five. And the first five one of the things we were able to identify is that this creation account is woven throughout the whole fabric of scripture. It comes out everywhere. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. And that That concept, those principles are woven tightly throughout scriptures. And sometimes it's very obvious and it's in our face. And other times it's not as obvious. It's pretty subtle, but it's there. And it's born out of what we saw in the beginning. This perhaps is one of those places. So what I'm about to tell you is that what we see in the beginning is laced throughout scripture. And what we see is God's response to formless, void, darkness, and deep. His response, let there be light, but we missed a subtle piece of it, his presence. He hovered over the face of the waters. It was his presence and his word. And now we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to look at the presence and his word. What does that have to do with wisdom? Let's look and see. I'm getting a little closer for... No reason. It's not like I have poor eyesight or anything. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Let me pause there. The wisdom of the world. Here it is. Uh, if you died today, how would you, would you be assured that you would go to heaven? Absolutely. Why is that? Because I'm basically a good person. Oh, compared to who? Like, really, compared to who? Well, let's start putting some numbers on it. Let's say uh, the number is you have to have more good things than bad things. Let's, let's say that's 51%. Okay, so you you need to have 51% good things to your 49% bad things to get into heaven. This is the wisdom of the world. Mm, okay, most of us are pretty good people, so we should be fine. But let's imagine that. Let's imagine you're in front of God on that day, or someone is, not you, someone else is. And they go before God, and they're at 50%. Oh, it was 50-50, just right on there. And God says, I'm, I'm sorry, it's 50-50, not not 51, which is, you know, what the world says. And they say, well, wait a minute, God. I have at least two percentage points of sin based on the parents that you gave me, God. So if you would have given me different parents, I probably wouldn't have sinned as much. God, this is probably, like, this is your fault. I'm the victim here. Do you see how illogical that is? God's plan is perfection. One sin is enough. That means we all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world says, God's grading on this curve. It doesn't work that way. And God says one sin is enough. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, that's problematic, isn't it? What did Paul preach? Christ crucified that through the work of Jesus, we're redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? That means that, that, that God has purchased us. It means that he's cleaned us off. It means that when he looks at us, he sees his son, Jesus, who is perfect without sin. It's a beautiful picture. doesn't make sense to the world, and that's the point of all of this. Let's continue on. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek Wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block, to Jews. Why? Because they want signs and folly to Gentiles. Why? Because they want wisdom, their kind of wisdom. God grades on the curve, that kind of stuff. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Did you catch that? Christ, the power of God. Christ, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Pause there for a second the foolishness of god is wiser than men it's like if we could take all of humanity and cumulatively understand uh our that wisdom it is still less than god's minimum. like uh, like it doesn't even compare to god's foolishness if it's fair to even call it that like the god's God's bad day is still way better than cumulatively mankind's good day. Continuing. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So again, God's weakest point, if you took all of our strength cumulatively and put it together, God's still stronger than that, even on a weak day. It's an interesting point that they bring to us. But the point is that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He's the, the presence and the word of God all together addressing these issues that we can apply him daily to our situations. The heat of the moment with open hands applying Christ to our lives, walking in his wisdom. There are several examples that, that I could give you, but I, I'm going to give you one that I get to see on a regular basis Um, Many of you know Pastor Matt pretty well. Um, Pastor Matt is one of those guys that I see this lived out. Um, On a regular basis, I'll hear him say these kind of things. What does Jesus have to say about this? And then he'll quote chapter and verse what Jesus says about that type of thing, either directly or in principle. And then he'll apply it. And I've been around Matt long enough to see that it's not just at work that he does that. That's the life that he lives. That's the application piece of all of this. And it's what I want to challenge us with. If Christ is the wisdom of God and we're called to that wisdom, then we have to walk in Christ, in his presence and in his word. And we have to see that lived out because the heat of the moment is going to happen. The heat happens. And we can melt and we can burn or we can apply Christ to the situation and walk in wisdom. What is that for you? The worship team's going to be coming here in just a second. Uh, They'll come out on the stage, and as they're coming out, um, I want to encourage you, I want to even challenge you to start thinking through, is there an area of your life where you're sensing some heat? Ah, it's starting to burn a little bit. And if so, how can you apply Jesus, his presence, and his word in such a way that you can bring up his wisdom, that you can get the good out of the bad in the situation? What is it? As you're thinking on that, I also want to let you know that in just a few moments during this next song, the ushers will be coming for our offering, and they'll, they'll pass the buckets. And I, I may do this every week, I'm not sure. But I do want to encourage you and ask, request that you would do two things during offering. One, that you would pray for those who are in charge of church budgets, that we would apply the wisdom of God so that God's kingdom would be furthered. We believe that we are stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we want to respectfully, graciously, kindly, and generously uh, serve the Lord with our finances. And so, because that's true, I'm asking you to pray that we would be wise about that. Additionally, as the buckets are passed, I, I want to encourage you to think like this. Jesus, I'm offering you myself again. I am, I am putting myself in this bucket, as it were, just in a symbolic way. Uh, as the ushers come at this time, I, I just want to pray for us, and then we'll worship together. Jesus, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. Lord, we ask even now that you would have your way in this place, that in a very real way we would see the heat of this moment and reach in faith to you, that we would see your presence and your word come alive in our lives, that we're not melted by these situations that occur, but rather we would have the opportunity and the ability to apply wisdom your wisdom and Lord as we look at that we recognize that the wisdom that we're applying is actually you and so Lord with that in mind we also ask that you would bless these funds that as we give today uh, that you would use this for your glory that you would bless this offering to you and and Lord just as I've requested those uh, those gathered today I also I'm in a symbolic way giving myself to you again, asking that you would be glorified and honored. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Pastor Kenny.